I'm Ellen and I'm here today with Mark and David discussing the life of William Godwin and his diary. Um, when you enter university into the diary, that brings up about five entries all around the 1820s. What is that about? Well, before we begin to think about how, how this how, how university relates to Godwin, we have to you may recall in an earlier podcast we talked about the Test and Corporation Acts. And one of the uh, one of the effects of this legislation, which was still uh, the seventeenth century legislation, which was still extant in the eighteen twenties, uh, was that people like Godwin, dissenters, nonconformists, were excluded from taking a degree at Oxford or Cambridge. What they did then, people like Godwin was attend dissenting academies, which were much more vibrant, I think it's fair to say, intellectual uh, centres than Oxford and Cambridge were at this point. So I don't think they were disenfranchised, for, certainly from an intellectual perspective, um, but they were nonetheless not attending universities. Um, this became a, uh, a, a topic in the 1820s when uh, Thomas Campbell, um, poet uh, and uh, uh, political activists began a movement to start a university in London for uh, uh, people who were not of the Anglican faith, a university that would be open to anyone regardless of their faith. Godwin is very interested in this. So there are these entries where it explicitly mentions universities, but there are also other entries that don't mention universities. I suppose there's one thing we should say about, about the diary and the searching mechanism that, that it will pick up words like university, but may not necessarily pick up all entries associated with the university. Um, you know, he meets other people, academics, other students from the university, people involved in the, in the formation of the London University, um, um, uh, in other entries in the diary. So Godwin takes careful note of the development of the London University, uh, not, not purely on intellectual grounds. He's also looking for a job for his uh, stepson, Charles Claremont, who'd spent a lot of time in Germany. So Godwin is, is jockeying to get a position for him at, one of the London, uh, or at, the, at the London University, um, unsuccessfully, uh, I should say. More broadly, Godwin's interested in this um, because education is really... Um, Central to, to his, uh, central to his thought. He begins uh, his publishing career in 1783 with a, a little pamphlet, a manifesto really, uh, uh, called An Account of the Seminary, uh, where he was going to set up a school uh, in London. And he outlined some, some basic uh, educational tenets. Uh, <clears throat> so this is 1783, uh, and he proceeds to write a number of, 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 uh, of, of works uh, over the next few years. And it's difficult to try and capture, um, capture Godwin. We've talked before about um, that he's a genuine polymath, that he's all these interests. But one way to try and think about him, think about his literary and his philosophical thinking over the entire period of the diary and indeed his life, is to think about, his, about education. Uh, he sees this as a way of, of, uh, of tr transmitting political justice. He sees this as a way of, of, of achieving uh, social amelioration. Um, he sees this uh, as a way of, of bringing people together, improving people. Um, so education is always going to be of... of uh, edu education was always of great, great interest to him. But it's education not so much as instruction and more as kind of interaction. I mean, it's a proper idea of a university, isn't it? 
uh, and a proper idea of education, not that we tell you what to think, but that we help you think. Um, and it seems to me that, that aspect of it is you know, really central his, to his view as to the way in which progress is made. I think that's right. I, mean, he, I think Goldman's all, all struggles with the conundrum of how do you instruct people. I mean, he seems to sort of imagine a sort of bootstrapping effect where people hold themselves up. He doesn't, he's not terribly, he's not terribly keen on the idea of the preceptor mo uh, pupil model, but he, he has great difficulty, I think, of, of trying to get, get out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is something I'm not sure he ever comes to, no, to terms no. with her or something. He, he has this resolved. view that some people are more advanced, more ahead of uh, the world than the rest. And then he has this problem about, well, how then should they interact with those who aren't as advanced? Uh, and in a sense, the, the, the concentration on pedagogy is, is a concentration that says, you know, it can't simply be the case that those who are more advanced can impose their authority on those who are less advanced. Uh, but then what's the alternative in terms of a, a, a picture of how intellectual exchange takes place. Uh, and much of his work is centred around that kind of problem. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why conversation is so important to his, his idea of, of communication and ideas and relationship, because it's a fairly, nebulous is perhaps the wrong word, but there's a fluidity to conversation that enables temporary moments of, of preceptor pupil that can then be dissolved into kind of mutual exchange. And this is con there is this sort of, um, it's less rigid, I think, than, than say a, a lecture model at, at university. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I think it's certainly true that London University, I think he would have seen as a great, a great moment, given his uh, interest in the Test and Corporation Acts back in back in seventeen ninety, where he's involved with the movement against it. This is a tremendous moment, and, and it gives us some sense of, of the longevity of his career that he sees this, this, this happening. And he's also, one of the things about the London University, if you look at the newspaper reports, is that there's this great emphasis on it being a, a, a centre of education in the urban environment. All the, the middling sorts uh, is the phrase that, that's, that's often used. So this is, this is education um, going down a, a level in society, but not right down to the lower orders, as they're very careful to position themselves. So this, is, this would appeal to Godwin's sense of gradualism, that, that we're going down, we're not going all the way, but we're going down some of the way. And, and this, this he sees as part of the, the, the process of political justice, part of this process of, 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 of social amelioration. So he was considering kind of the lower classes, and were they entitled to an equal education as well? And yes, in time though. And this, this is the point, always in time. Godwin does not believe in rapid social change. This is his, his hesitancy about revolution, his hesitancy about political associations. He doesn't believe in groups of people getting together for purposes of reform. Because this, if you think about it, people get together in a group, they talk about these, these ideas and they start to shout over each other, it gets noisy, a sense of clarity uh, disappears. And, and key, private judgment disappears. Um, when a mob acts. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean it's important to remember that he doesn't really think about the world in class terms much of the time. He thinks, or at least uh, his focus is on individuals. And I think there's plenty of evidence that Godwin accepted individuals for their talents. When they had talents, it didn't matter where they came from. He was welcoming and rewarding and, and responsive to them. Uh, 
so, it comes across quite a lot in the letters, doesn't it? When pe- does. people write to him from, from different social backgrounds, from different parts of the country. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's not just about who's in London and who you can meet. He's very open to, to epistolary communication throughout, throughout Britain yeah. and beyond. Yeah, but it, what he's responding to is you know, uh, individuals with abilities. And what he, he's resistant to is the idea that they can be kind of organised uh, associations, collectives and so on, uh, because that actually uh, he sees as restrictive of individual kind of talent and uh, tending to impose uniformity of belief uh, and so on. And that's just not acceptable. The final point about the university entries uh, is that what, what it shows is that Godwin is still moving in uh, elite circles uh, in, in his later life. So the last entry that mentions university is in 1832, but there are other entries in that year and later when Godwin is uh, 76, 77, 78 that show him participating in social circles with academics who are teaching at the London University, academics who are teaching at King's College London. Uh, which was the Anglican repost to, to the London University. What this shows is that uh, the tendency of literary critics to consider Godwin simply as someone of significance in the 1790s, the kind of view that's been established by William Hazlitt's essay in The Spirit of the Age, is wrong. That Godwin does have something and is still contributing to London's intellectual world uh, and is a man who is still valued uh, by his uh, by his peers.